As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to the Earth Keepers podcast. If you're listening to this episode in lifetime, it's Thanksgiving week here in the United States. And although I did initially have the next episode in the series all queued up and ready to go, I decided to move that one to next week and share a fun little holiday bonus episode with you this week instead. Now, if you've just discovered the podcast and you haven't listened to the first four episodes in this season, I highly suggest you go back and listen to them first, or you'll be missing out on part of the story. This season, we're taking a journey through one branch of my own family tree to explore what happens when a group of people leave the only land they've ever known for the promise of salvation and eternal life in heaven. And yes, this is my personal family story, but I have no doubt that you'll find threads that feel similar to your own story, no matter where in the world they originated or what religion they were affiliated with. If you have listened to the last four episodes, then you know that woven into the story are bits and pieces of interviews I've done with a variety of people who've offered their insight or experiences with this subject matter. And I know that many of you have been heading over to my YouTube channel to hear the full discussions with those guests for all the little juicy tidbits that don't make it into the podcast episodes. However, there's one that I haven't shared on YouTube, and I decided to share it today as a bonus episode instead. Peter Shampoo is a spiritual geographer who started noticing some interesting things about the patterns and reactions of stones in the northeastern part of the United States when he was working as a classically trained stonemason, and it ultimately led to decades of research and work as a geomancer, learning to read the patterns of memory lines and earth grids. You heard just a snippet of our discussion about the 42nd parallel that the Mormons were following across America and Peter's thoughts about what the Masons were building in this country using the grid lines and power spots in episode 72, Utah's Ley Lines and Visions of Utopia. But there were so many other topics that we discussed that I wasn't sure would make it into the podcast and that I know you're going to be fascinated by, so I decided to share our entire discussion here today. Now, just a quick note. Peter was so generous to fit in a conversation with me while he was traveling for a conference, and he had to take the call in his hotel room, which, to our disappointment, didn't have the best Wi-Fi speed. We had to turn off our cameras to improve the connection, which is why I'm not sharing this as a video on YouTube. But we did have a bit of a delay between our two feeds, which caused us to occasionally talk over one another. There's also a couple spots that the audio breaks up a bit. But when I listened back to it, I couldn't not share it with you. There's so many insights, ahas, and gems in this discussion that I'm sure you'll forgive a few bumps in the road with the audio. And if you want to connect with Peter, his website can be found at geometryofplace.com. And I'll also add a link to it in the show notes. If you want to dive more into any of the topics that we discuss here, I highly recommend his book, the Gaia Matrix, which you can download from his website. 
Now, if you do feel inspired to go deeper on this journey of working with the land and want to support the work it takes to bring this podcast to life, I'd love to have you join me on the Earth Tenders Academy. The Earth Tenders Academy is my online course and community where you can learn more about the history and energy of the community that you live in, hold space for the healing of humanity and nature, remember more about your specific gifts and role with the earth, and see the true magic held in your everyday environment. I invite you to step into this portal with me and hundreds of other earth tenders from around the world. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about the Earth Tenders Academy and come join us in this beautiful community. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Peter. Uh, my name is Peter Shampoo, uh, French name, uh, really pronounced shampoo by the Americanese. Uh, you know, Americans can't say champ. But it uh, essentially means a rock of the field, uh, Peter, and then Champ is field. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Peter Shampoo, and I uh, am a spiritual geographer, and uh, I, I look at patterns on the, uh, in the crustal uh, ge- geography, geology that suggests uh, circulinear forms. Uh, I look at this uh, work uh, as a foundation for a new sustainable world uh, based on a more symbiotic relationship with the planet. Uh, These uh, rings I call earth rings. Uh, This is a discovery I made uh, back in 94 uh, in New England, and it's been expanding. I didn't, I was just, you know, kind of, messing around with maps in the, back in 94. And uh, it's really just evolved into a, a worldwide study. I've more, all but completed the major earth ring phenomena around the, around the whole earth. And uh, yeah, so I'm trying to uh, get that information out. I'm a, a ley line, uh, a lay tracker, if you will. It's uh, ley lines or alignments of culture and nature. And I've been doing that since I was a kid, 14, 14 years old, when I first started doing this in 70 now. And uh, yeah, so uh, ley lines are uh, found in England mainly. The name came from uh, L-E-Y, uh, came from the suffix of many English names that were found along the straight tracks of England. So this uh, guy, Alfred Watkins, noticed this uh, that these families lived along these old straight tracks, so he called them ley lines, uh, figuring that's why their names had lay in the suffix, you know, Finlay, Conlay, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so, uh, that, so I took the same uh, parameters that were, implicit to these ley lines in England and applied them to the states in uh, Turtle Island or North American tectonic plate and uh, expanded them in scale. And uh, instead of standing stones, I used mountain ranges and uh, geologic plugs as, as my, you know, so, the, you know, while, while in, in, in plugs that were part of the system, they, they augmented it with standing stones and Stonehenge and things of that nature. And that, uh, it, that study, uh, it, 
evolving over the years, it of course brought in the cathedrals and the the the, the spiritual science of temple building. And uh, while you, Amy, are, are looking at this pattern of uh, of Mormon temples and uh, a north south uh, longitude, uh, kind of you might along what you might call the uh, back range of the Rocky Mountains, and then they got the front range out in Colorado and Denver metro area. Uh, that's the front range of the Rocky Mountains. But what your line describes is the back range of the Rocky Mountains. And uh, it, it does appear by the placement of the Mormon temples along that alignment that the Mormons were keen to uh, kind of a, a longitude line is a line of time uh, uh, referring back to Prime meridian, you know, or Greenwich Mean Time. So for, and it's the, it's the, this, it's, it's like, uh, it's the world of man, really, time. Uh, so, you know, by, by them marking that, that particular parallel, I, I didn't get, it looks like there, there could be almost an exact longitudinal north south line number associated with that. And I, I'm sorry, I don't have that off the top of my head. What that is, perhaps you've looked at that, Amy. You know, uh, do you do you have that number uh, top of your head? I don't. I need to look it up and and see if there uh, if there's an exact line there as well. But I haven't looked it up. Yeah, yeah. It looks looks pretty close. Uh, play lines are uh, while they're uh, you can you know they're a straight line uh, with nodes along this line. The actual lay energy. Uh, it is a kind of waveform that, that uh, crosses that, that there's usually two currents that, that follow a ley line and uh, they, they cross every now and then. And that's, that's where these standing stones would be placed is at the crossing uh, where there's upshoots or downshoots of vortexual energy uh, that, that, that comes out of the earth as part of its electromagnetic body. Yeah, and I mean, tell us a yeah, little bit more. So Corey, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. About ley lines, yeah. Yeah, or just about yeah, the I, actual uh, geomagnetic energy uh, that's yeah, in the, the earth. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, the uh, there's a number of different line systems. Uh, there's the Hartman Curry grid, which is a planetary grid system that is uh, a regular five meter by eight meter uh, lines. And, and every, uh, every 30 feet, there's, a, there's what's called a banker line, which is a very strong line of, of, of that nature. And this is like an electromagnetic feature that's everywhere. And uh, if, you, if you live on, on crossings, of these lines, uh, uh, you know, leukemia and such, uh, and ill health tends to uh, come about it, it, so because there's such a strong amount of electricity or bed or something. If there's a if there's a uh, a banker line that's crossing there, that's part of that Hart Hartman Curry grid. You can look these up on the internet. Hartman Curry, H A R T C U R R Y. Uh, they, uh, 
you know, they, they promote ill health. So you got to watch out for those babies. Uh, ley lines are, uh, the, the, themselves are more kind of an elemental path and they, uh, they, they carry current and, and the, of, of the earth at, at a, at an angle that's, uh, you know, Northeast or Southeast, you know, it's across, uh, and, and then telluric lines, which are the earth's electromagnetic field are, are longitudinal. And, and that's part of the, the uh, electromagnetic field of the planet. Uh, you know, we have that electromagnetic field ourselves uh, and, and, and this electromagnetic field protects us from solar, solar radiation. It deflects these, this plasma that's coming in from the sun radiation. But uh, yeah, that travels in a north-south line and that's called a telluric, T-U-R, L-L-E-R, I see uh, line, and uh, yeah, and that one's uh, you know. So that's another factor at play. Uh, there, there's an excellent researcher by the name of uh, Rory. Uh, Rory, <laughs> sorry, Rory. Oh, Rory Duff. <laughs> Can't remember his name. He's in England. Rory Duff. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I get his emails as well. Uh, well, <laughs> Rory Duff has found that the, yeah, yeah, he, 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 I think he can type a thousand words a minute. Uh, you know, <laughs> his emails are endless, but are. Uh, very informative. Uh, but you know, he's discovered by visiting a ley line every day and testing it that that there's this fluctuation that occurs. Uh, in time with what the plasma sheath uh, um, permeation is that that you know a, as we as we uh, uh, orbit the sun, uh, there are these plasma waves that we go through every eight days, and uh, when we go through those plasma waves, there's this uh, harmonization that happens within the ley lines where. You know, in the, in the other seven days, there's it's quite chaotic. You know, the lines are kind of which way, but but there's kind of like this, uh, this harmonization of of the lines uh, in 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 ways at least in England that he's found, right? probably everywhere else. But uh, you know, and then there's these uh, things called upshoots and downshoots. Uh, uh, this is uh, the uh, work of uh, the Hardys. Mary and John Hardy uh, and Ken Killick, uh, they, they, they were working with uh, medicine wheels and pyramids and such and found that that uh, stone circles and, and medicine wheels and such all have an upshoot of energy. And then, then there's wherever there's an upshoot, there's a corresponding downshoot. So, so it's, again, it's, a, it's another toroidal another fractal form of the earth's toroidal field uh you know with a you know, double side so so <clears throat> you know in their work they identify go around identifying these uh shoots put it and then they, they put uh medicine wheels on them uh with the spokes uh along the current that comes in into the upshoot 
and 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 by that they're 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 enlivening and focusing this energy, this earth's energy, and and that they locate a downshoot and you know and ground it out that way to create like a a, a protective donut field. So uh, you can you when you find these things and and uh, sacralize them through ceremony and prayer, uh, it can really uh, uh, like heal the land and, and heal relationships within within the dome of that within the scope of that that dome uh so uh and 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 these vortexes you know holy holy vortexes that i'm describing uh like uh in oregon and various other places there there are these things called you know mystery vortex and you know, and you, know, you go this side and you're tall and over this side, you're small. And, you know, it's, we it's have one really here well known where I live. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, that's right. Right. Up in uh, Kalispell, there's a lot of uh, very, I understand, high quality uh, earth energy vortexes up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the earth energy vortex tends to have, and this is for Sophia Larson. Uh, she's one of your listeners from uh, Sweden who contacted me with uh with a question about about the, the circles that they have in Sweden, uh, ancient circles there, and, and in her dowsing, she found that you know as she walked through the, the circle, the le- the uh, pendulum she was using would turn one way or another, and, and what was what was happening there is like as you cross through the the lens of a of a circle. Uh, earth energy vortex, which those circles probably identified uh, because it's showing the signature of that, uh, are, uh, are in a pattern that's clockwise, counterclockwise. And so, so it's like the, the outer rings are, are clockwise and the inner rings are counterclockwise. And, and it generates this balanced form. Uh, sometimes they don't have that. And that's kind of like a, if it's just spinning one way, it's it's not really a healthy vortex. Uh, so you you know it's, it's but it sounds like the ones that she was visiting were healthy vortexes because when she got to the center, everything stopped. You know the spin stopped, and that's there's a still point at the center, uh, like a hurricane. Hurricanes are just like vortexes, and they're and they're you know part of Earth energies coming out and. You know, uh, manifesting in the water element rather than the earth element that these circles are. So, and in my gig, you know, I mean, I'm looking at very large scale rings in the lithosphere that also have the same uh, energy about them. Uh, the Great Lakes is a real good example of one such earth ring, you know, water earth ring. Uh, but you can, if you can uh, visualize the uh, Kind of the gesture of of uh, of Michigan and S- Superior, it, it has a clockwise spin, and if you look at at Huron, it has a counterclockwise spin, and so that there's that there's that balance vortex that occurs within that, uh, and as well, uh, a lot of these Earth energy vortexes and Earth patterns are have a a geometry to them, uh, implicit geometry, and in the case of the Great Lakes, the uh, the distance between uh, Chicago, that's of 
uh, Lake Michigan and Duluth, the western tip of Lake Superior, that that relationship to the center uh, of uh, Sault Ste. Marie, center of the Great Lakes, uh, has a uh, generates a pentagram, pentagonal geometry, and uh, so what I found is that water is the progenitor of sacred geometry. So a lot of the cathedral buildings that you see, you know, probably Mormon temples were, were built in, you know, with the phi proportion, and that's all implicit to water, and, and I mean, it's on and on and on with the sacred geometry. It's quite a, quite a little rabbit hole you go down when you start looking into it. Might as well, you know, you know, it's like in the study of Kabbalah, you're not supposed to uh, go into this until you're 50 because you forget about your family and your, you know, your responsibilities in the world and just, oh, I got to study the Kabbalah. <laughs> it's a similar thing with sacred geometry. Just it's a rabbit hole that you get down and it's endless remunerations of things. And, uh, but uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, that's the, that's where I am now is in the Great Lakes I just spent the last four years in Arizona uh, activating another earth ring down there, the Sonoran earth ring. And uh, yeah, so I'm working on this whole system. Well, so going, you know, from, from the ley lines and obviously all of these energies that are naturally occurring within the earth, it seems like there's, there tends to be uh strong mineral deposits of things like gold and silver and that type of thing kind of along some of these major layers. Well, where I was in Arizona, it was, it was a particularly strong uh, mineral ring. Uh, we had a, a gold plug there that went down a thousand feet that, that wow. the Canadian company is trying to mine right now. And uh, that was very close to the center. And I'm finding, you know, uh, another center of one of my earth rings is uh, the Black Hills of South Dakota, famous for its gold. Uh, you know, so gold seems to be a, a very much a part of uh, the Earth's uh, connective mechanism with uh, celestial forces. It's a transmissive mineral, and uh, the Kogis of South America were were uh, uh, isolated from the colonials for their from the 500 years of uh, you know, persecution there. Um, and they retained the knowledge and they said that gold, the uh, reason why the Inca had so much gold is because he needed it to, for his spiritual transmission. Uh, and and uh, with their sacred sites, they would place uh, gold effigies uh, hanging in the trees above their, their, their earth energy vortexes there, their sacred sites, in order to uh, create a conduit between celestial and terrestrial forces. So that's, that's a piece. And, uh, you know, granite seems to be, uh, plays a very big part in all this. And granite is essentially, you know, you know feldspar and quartzite. It's, uh, you know, it has that white speck in there that's all quartz so that's uh yeah yeah that's a uh, very very and, and you know i mean one, one of the big lines i've come across which is 
uh, parallel to the one that you have on the back range, on the front range of the Rocky Mountains, there's a series of volcanic vents. Uh, and, and one of them is called Devil's Tower, or uh, uh, the natives prefer uh, the First Nations call it uh, Bear's Lodge. And, and there's a series of these vents in the north onto the Mexico, New Mexico, Texas border at Guadalupe Peak. And uh, yeah, these are these are volcanic vents. Yeah, I visited uh, Devil's Tower last year. I was, and it I was is... my point, something about granite. Oh. <laughs> yeah, granite in the quartz. Yes, and it I, is. I, yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting because especially with the gold, I always think of gold as a frequency, like a communication frequency as much as it is, I mean, in the physical uh, so it's really interesting that, um, that it would be used as you were saying in some places, like the physical piece of gold over a vortex or portal type type location that, uh, somehow makes sense to me, <laughs> even if I can't articulate it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, when I, uh, I, I do wheel work long, you know, activating these lines uh trying to uh, you know honor the elementals and such of a, of a place I, I i place uh, stones in a in a nine-pointed geometry and i i always uh include some kind of gold leaf uh, along with that installation i, I use nine the, the, the uh uh, Sophia mentioned that she she, uh, she created a a wheel in her backyard and um, she was guided to use nine and it's very appropriate for uh, connecting with Earth energies because it's uh, that 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 geometry is the same as the Earth's inner core uh, spheres you know the inner and outer core and uh, it, it's all. And kind of nested within the four polygons that you can generate from an enneagram, and uh, you know there's endless stuff around the enneagram too about you know you know it's a psychology and uh, Grigiefian studies and uh, you know um, uh, Mar Marco uh, Rodin uh, created a whole like Tesla coil, very efficient uh, electrical coil based on the enneagram and. Of course, Tesla himself was all about three six nine and that whole right. business. Yeah, each it's like each individual topic is its own rabbit hole. You could spend years going down. <laughs> You're right. Well, can we talk a little and, and bit? I, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm just saying, and I have <laughs> gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Right. I understand. <laughs> I go down one for a while and I think I'm done with this. And then it, it, it will suck <laughs> me back in <laughs> at some point later. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how, you know, maybe early explorers in, in Europe, whether, you know, we go back to the Templars or, or some other point in time, but then certainly kind of fast forwarding into, um, 
the American colonies, you know, like how were they using um, and what was their knowledge to your knowledge of some of these um, earth energies and, and ley lines? How are they using them to navigate? How are, how are they finding them? What's your sense about that? Well, uh, the Templars' knowledge base came from their uh, interaction with the Moors, you know, who, who retained uh, knowledge, the uh, the knowledge of mathematics, while Europe was in the middle of the Dark Ages, where you know there was just you know, nothing happening, everybody was dying and or being burned at the stake or you know, something right. like that, yeah. Uh, and and they uh, they brought that that knowledge and light with them, uh, and, and a lot of the spiritual practices, the, the troubadours, the Sufis, uh, you know, the, the knowledge of the ages was carried by them back into into Europe, where they seeded a new European culture with their uh, cathedral technology, which uh, was. A syncretic uh, syncretism is where one culture is laid on top of another culture on top of another culture. They, they just use the old sacred sites or like, uh, you know, for instance, the Catholic Church uh, 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 made Mary Magdalene's feast day the same as Isis. You know, so it's like Magdalene became Isis or Isis became Magdalene in the church. So the church did that a lot. and they. And they, uh, especially over here in, the, in, in this country, uh, oh no, in Ireland, I'm sorry, in Ireland, they were having trouble getting the uh, Irish pagans to uh, go to the churches for their healing. You know, they would go there, you know, and do the stand, turn, kneel, and uh, sign the cross to ancient sites. And so the priests didn't like, the, like them going, you know, like they wanted to be the intermediary between them and God. There's no sovereign thing that they're trying to propagate there. So the the, the Pope, I think it was Philip, somebody, uh, uh, instructed the priests of Ireland to, to build the churches on the sacred sites. And when they did that, you know, like that, that Irish culture was subsumed by the Catholic Church and, uh, because they took over the sacred sites. It's like so that that was that was a knowledge that was you know used over and over again in, in South America and uh, and, and uh, Mexico where you, you find the native sacred sites, put a church on it. So there this was like a known thing and like Shark Cathedral was built on a on a druid sacred grove, a known sacred grove, and you know this type of thing was, uh, and uh, you know it was it was a whole technology that you know that that you could douse out. Uh, looking at looking at the you know there's many studies that have been done of the, of the cathedrals and it was you know all these ley lines go through it and aquastats and various other uh, earth energy patterns. Uh, you know whether whether the, you know chicken or the egg conversation, you know you create this this resonant uh, uh, structure built in sacred geometry. It might actually attract ley lines to it to to run through it. 
but uh, it, it's, it would be a good practice to put the ley lines or put the churches where the ley lines are and where the sacred site is. If there's a sacred site, like a, a native sacred site, it, it, it would already have ley lines going through it. Uh, so it's just, you just have to identify where the pagans did that. And usually there's, there's some knowledge, you know, remnant knowledge of that left. Uh, when the next culture uh, comes in and takes over things. So that's, uh, you know, navigation, you know, that's all, that, that was, that's all Moorish, you know, uh, the, the, the Moors had uh, cellar navigation and like uh, when they laid out Washington DC, for instance, uh, nobody, none of the surveyors here were capable of, of uh, surveying by the stars. And that was the only way that, that they, they could create such an exact scale diamond like that, like, like the DC diamond is. So they hired this, uh, this Moorish fella. Can't remember his name. It's in my book. Uh, uh, who, who came in, you know, with the stars. Uh, okay. This, you know, laid out this whole DC. So similarly, you could sail the oceans blue in, in the same way with that knowledge that the Templars received from the, from the Moors and uh, Henry Sinclair and uh, all those, uh, you know, the Templars of Rosalind Chapel in Scotland. You know, there's stories of them going to Nova Scotia and whatnot. And that was, you know, they're just using their, you know, that, that those navigational tools that the Moors held on to. You know, there was actually a, uh, a Perry Rees map that was, uh, you know, uh, kind of brought to the fore in the 1400s. Uh, and this map uh, showed, you know, it was during the age of exploration. And, and, and this world map that they had, everywhere where the Europeans had gone with their lousy cartography, the coastlines were all distorted and not, not, not correct. And uh, uh, all the area, they had the rest of the, all the other continents on the map. And... The, the remaining continents were all in perfect cartographic projection from Antarctica, South America. And, and you know, this was, you know, 1400s when this map was made. And, and Antarctica is perfectly, the coastline is perfectly depicted. And, and the coastline of Antarctica was never known about until uh, the 50s when we had ice penetrating radar that actually drew the you know, I mean, it's all covered with ice. So this map was drawn when Antarctica didn't have ice on it. You know, so, uh, you know, it's like, oh, we got to, you know, that, that means that there was this seafaring culture, the maps of the ancient sea kings by Charles Hopgood. Uh, we talked about this. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that that, that knowledge is, you know, just pass down, pass down, pass down. So, uh, you know, the Atlanteans, all that, you know. Do you get the sense that then the, that was really the information or knowledge that was passed on to the Masons that they were using to do a lot of the kind of mapping and founding of towns and areas in America? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they were trying to, uh, I think they had, you know, goodwill, uh, goodwilled intentions of uh, creating a civilization out of this wilderness. And they used all the Templar tools to do that. But instead of putting churches and such on the sacred sites, they'd put Masonic halls and uh, uh, civic and business structures on there, like banks and stuff, to, to empower the banks and empower, empower themselves to, uh, you know, the my grandfather was a Mason and, you know, there was a time when you couldn't, couldn't really do business without being a Mason. And uh, there, there's a lot of, there's some suggestion that uh, uh, Mormonism was a, 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 uh, a Masonic invention to uh, create a, a religion that was, uh, sprung out of the Americas. Yeah, there was, uh, during that uh, period in the late 1800s, uh, you know, the, uh, the Egyptian revival that came forth, uh, there was, uh, yeah, that, that they were really using that in a big way to uh, build up cities and install capitals. Like, and there, there's, you know, George Washington, for some reason, put Washington, to D.C. where it was, and it ends up being right on the 77th parallel, you know, or latitude, longitude, not, not parallel, about that, but the, uh, uh, the 77th and, and this, this major ley line and it comes down the East Coast from Boston through New York City, Trenton, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Atlanta, you know, but D.C. is there, and it goes down to the uh, uh, the, the pyramid of the sun in Tito Acan in Mexico City. So, so that that you know that's uh, that's a, a line of civilization right there. So he placed it there at DC to to intersect that seventy seventh uh, longitude, and that seventy seventh longitude goes right up to the Onondaga Central Fire of the Iroquois Confederacy, which our federation was based off of. So it was, it was a it was a syncretic overlay of drawing that that northern door of the Iroquois Confederacy, you know, and, and taking over uh, the power of, from from the First Nations and subsuming it into the DC matrix. So you know, this is you know, so that was in 1700 that they did that. So uh, certainly. Uh, the males that were everywhere during the time of, uh, of Joseph Smith's life uh, were part of that. It's uh, well known that uh, the Smith family were part of the Rodsmen, who were uh, dowsers in Vermont, and were part of this whole kind of uh, uh, seance group and everything else around around that area. And Joseph Smith, uh, where was uh childhood home was was right near uh calendar uh, one and two which is an ancient sacred site or ancient uh, calendar site from from this culture that used to be there so uh, you know it was pre-colonial it's a pre-colonial it's been dated as pre-colonial and kind of looks like a root cellar but it's got an open end on it i think they're bigfoot houses but uh, uh there's there there are these 
Now he was exposed at an early age to these, you know, interdimensional portals. And, you know, he probably did have a vision. You know, he probably, you know, did receive information, make a story out of it. Uh, so, you know, he came up with the golden tablets and everything. Oh, I dug it out of the ground because nobody would believe that he had a psychic read of what, you know, the life was like here in the, in the, in the Moundsville, in the in Mississippian mound cultures that were permeated all that, you know, New York state and, you know, the whole, like I say, the whole Mississippian culture, which, which uh, was a culture of giants, uh, you know, because during that period when Joseph lived, they were uh, leveling their, these fields in New York. And every time, you know, I mean, there were a lot of mounds in the center of these fields. So they, they, they leveled them out. They thought they were just like glacial moraines, but they were actually burial mounds of giants. And, and there's there like thousands of chronicles in, 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 in that period of uh, newspapers. Oh, another giant found in the mound of so-and-so's farm. Uh, so it, it, it was a culture of giants. And Smithsonian would come in and take it away and say, shh, you know, nobody talk about this. And, and, uh, and that, was, that was the end of that. But uh, it, it's like the, the whole, it's forbidden archaeology. And it's forbidden because uh, everybody would have to throw out their their PhD papers if this information was ever you know really released. And the whole kind of our whole worldview, how we how we perceive our you know like our ego of being the epitome of civilization that's ever been here on the planet, just gets thrown out the window, and we're actually quite primitive. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and these themes have come up in some of my other other conversations as well uh, with uh, whether or not perhaps there was, say, an early, a much, much earlier temple culture. And, and maybe there were some temple ruins in the U.S. that, that the Mormons came across or um, but some of the same information that, that this that there was well-documented archaeological um, findings that very quickly were covered up and swept away uh, only only to still be found in, in some old newspaper articles. So it it starts lending more credence as you as you look deeper and deeper into it. Yeah, I like the Mormons. I always invite them in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I went to college. I went to college in Logan, Utah. So it's a uh, Interesting, interesting group of people. They they're kind of like communist capitalists. Uh, you know, there's a real collective spirit there. That you know, if you're a Mormon, you know, you know, you get free loans or whatever, and you know, interest free loans. And but if you're not, you can't even borrow a shovel. You know? <laughs> it's true. And really, when you look at when once they got to Utah and and. So how some of those, um, you know, I guess maybe I was the uh, law wouldn't be the right word, but probably if you were a Mormon, it, it felt like a law of uh, how you do business and who you do business with and, and whatnot certainly ensured their group survival. 
uh, in such a desolate place, but also certainly uh, excluded anybody who didn't belong. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Um, that that lay then that that whether knowingly or not, although it probably seems at least uh, somewhat knowingly, the Mormons were were following, which um, I think you call the empire lay more or less around the forty second parallel. I think. Yeah, yeah. The empire lay goes through the that's the Wyoming or, or Wyoming Utah or Idaho Utah border somewhere in there, and uh, yeah, the forty. 40- Second, uh, it's a uh, Goldilocks latitude within a Goldilocks planet, and uh, so that's where you have the what? best growing uh, oh, weather. You know, you, you you have snow, you have rain, you have you have good arable lands. Uh, so civilizations tend to flourish along the forty-second parallel. So we find Rome on the forty-second. We find Istanbul, or it used to be Constantinople on the 42nd. We find Beijing, China on the 42nd. Uh, Southern Japan, Kyoto, that's the the spiritual center of of Japan is on the 42. And and it appears that that, uh, the the Masons, you know, uh, the uh, Mason planners and and surveyors uh, laid out the country with the 42nd parallel in mind as, as a way to uh, uh, attenuate, you know, like uh, bring this, that 42nd frequency into focus across, across the states. So the Connecticut, Massachusetts border, 42nd parallel, uh, New York State, Pennsylvania, 42. You know, it goes right across the country, uh, Idaho, uh, Utah, uh, Oregon, California, all in the 42nd. So that that latitude, I I look at as as a in in a in a in an array of of chakras in uh, in the planet. So uh, the 42nd and for in the 40s, that is the throat chakra of the planet. That's where a lot of the knowledge and communications and, you know, this type of uh, the writing and all that kind of mercurial stuff came, came forth, uh, uh, you know, at least with this particular civilization. But, it, you know, like, like in the 30th parallel, I, I equate to the heart chakra because many, many of the world's great rivers empty into the, in the Nile, the Mississippi River, all, both Delta right at the 30th parallel. And then the solar plexus is the 19.5 where you find a lot of volcanoes, uh, both here on Earth and on Mars. And that's where the, uh, a lot of the solar flares come out of the sun is out of the 19.5 degree latitude of the sun. So that's solar plexus. So it has that kind of frequential you know, latitudes or frequencies and, and environmental zones. So the 42nd zone is very much, uh, you know, a civilizational, an empire, empire energy. So uh, it goes through where Kosovo is. And where uh, so in Kosovo is where uh, a, a war line comes down from, you know, uh, Ireland, England, Brussels, uh, Franco-German border all through 
the Alsace Lorraine, and where you know World War One, World War Two, and uh, the in Waterloo, and all that stuff was all down that down that line. And if you continue on through you know, Kosovo in that area, it was just a it, it's a, between the Moors and the and the Christians. It was a battleground for them. Uh, Count Dracula and all his business, you know, and all, uh, you know, just endless stuff happened along that that that, that battle zone. Actually, uh, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, ancient city of Troy, you know, Helen of Troy, and the great battle of the Spartans, and uh, uh, happened happened right there on that war line too that goes through Kosovo, and that intersects the forty second parallel. So it's like uh, when the when Yugoslavia broke up, the Serbs uh, got got into that that Serbian Empire. We are the Serbian Empire. We will dominate. And they, you know, you know, I mean, they're a bunch of Catholics, and they went out there and executed, and you know, like just summarily, you know, genocide all the Muslims that were in Kosovo. And that's that's a, a pattern that's been re- repeating there for centuries, and uh, it, you know. So and, until we we change the you know that frequency somehow through uh, you know an infusion of love instead of uh, you know, you know leylands get entrained with with the with the actions that take place upon them. So. You know, there is a perfect example of an entrainment of warfare intersecting an entrainment of domination, you know, the domination of empire and the effect of that. Yeah, and and that was one of the things I want to talk about, because it's certainly something I come across in my energy work with the land again and again, is how the, entrained is a good word. I hadn't quite thought about that uh, quite as being that way, but, but that's... Um, it's almost like the the line itself isn't uh, it just is right, <laughs> but it can uh, pick up the energies and the frequencies, um, and and I think in some ways, especially with things like churches, um, I think some of those uh, the leaders who knew what they were doing really were tapping into those red lines um, when building their temples and and doing some of these things, and then it's like the the energy in the grid is just supporting um, whatever whatever energy that is. Is that is that what you've come across as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a chicken and egg dilemma. Uh, you know, there might be a, a, an energy that they're attracted to. The earth itself might be what's generating these these alignments of churches. The the actual uh, builders. Uh, are, are, you know, it's just through synchronicity, through uh, through the flow of grace that that is everywhere. Uh, churches are placed along sacred alignments just to, you know, just because it, it's it's one energy that that has a magnetic effect on another. It draws to it. Uh, and and it and it does that, you know, without awareness of people who are doing it. Maybe 
Right. No, I, that makes sense. Uh, it's like we're yeah. being yeah, it's, it's, we're uh, being it's drawn and it's drawing us at the same time, and maybe neither are a hundred percent aware that that's the intention or that that's the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. Like uh, I, I've been looking at this. Uh, there's this Earth ring that's centered on Ukraine. And it's so kind of one of my thumb um, drum beats right now that, that and, and intersecting that that circle right through Kiev is the uh, Nile Meridian. Yeah, the you know, and, and that that goes right through the Great Pyramid, and so so Kiev is the is the spiritual center of Russia, and and it's. Uh, if you follow that line up through uh, north of Kiev, that's the border between the NATO countries and the Russian uh, states. So, you know, all the you know kind of uh, Eastern European countries and Russia border right along that line. And that line is what uh, Putin wants to bring the border of Russia up to. They, they, they want Kiev back because it's their spiritual. It's the heart of Russia. Kiev is the heart of Russia. Without Kiev, the, the Russian Orthodox Church has no heart. So it's like it, it, it's a it's a crusade in some ways. But this this line, I I, I am I'm kind of doing this thing, a kind of a radical thing, that's saying that the Great Pyramids are putting out some pretty nasty <laughs> nasty energies. Excuse me. That uh, promulgate war and genocide, because I'm, I'm seeing it being reflected in patterns coming off of it. And uh, religious centers tend to be off the Great Pyramid's edges. So, for instance, the southeast edge. If you take the Great Pyramid southeast edge off, it goes right to the rock at Mecca. You know, right to the Kaaba at Mecca. If you take it northeast, it goes right through the Baha'i Temple. Uh, the shrine of the Bab, the high faith, uh, and then onward up into Armenia, where the Armenian genocide was of 15 million people, uh, and the recent big killings of ISIS and all that bloodshed that happened in Syria was right along that line. Uh, and and this, this north line going up to Kiev is a, is a big one, but but there's this, uh, you know, I, I'm and the in the arc of that Earth ring, you can see in the curvilinear form that is the combination of Scandinavia and Italy. So that that, that creates an Earth ring that goes over to the Ural Mountains uh, that divide uh, European Russia from Siberian Russia, and, and that that line comes down and curves right along the coast of of uh, Turkey and Greece and over into. Italy again. Well, in the middle of that, kind of like uh, straddling that, that line, but over on the European side of things, is a ring of cities. You know, I mean, a perfect circle of cities that, that include all these high cultural cities like uh, Helsinki and uh, St. Petersburg, Moscow, uh, Prague, Vienna, uh, Berlin. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and it's like, you know, we, 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 you know, it's like this nest. We, 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 you know, like a, like bees create hexagons. 
you know, we also tend to create these hexagonal forms in our, in our social, uh, I wrote about this in my book too, uh, a guy who made matrix uh, that, that there was a social study done and, you know, we tend to grow in hex, hexagonal ways. Uh, but this, this ring form is, is like a nesting of culture, high culture right there in Europe that if, if we could get all the symphony orchestras of all the all those cities to play Beethoven's, you know, Ode to Joy, or you know, something something that's you know really positive and and not more like uh, uh, not not the not the eighteen twelve overture or whatever. Not, we don't want that one. <laughs> but you know, something something you know something of you know great life and light. You know, maybe Carmina Burana. I don't know. Uh, but it's just that that would entrain, you know, you know, I mean, you know, just entrain a, you know, when you when you have a concordant, uh, unified field that's generated uh, simultaneously, it, it it the earth takes notice, the elementals take notice, uh, our own hearts and and our own uh, biology takes notice. And and it's like all of a sudden we wake up and say you know you know what what, what kind of miasm was I involved in you know, what type of evil infected my mind to want to you know burn that many you know forty million people you know well you know it's just so. well I I mean I really like where you're going with this too especially with the the harmonic harmonic piece of it but I I wonder. You know, what's your sense? I find in a lot of the the healing work that I do with the land, you know, the land is more than willing to uh, shift, change, you know, however, however you want to perceive, you know, be be healed or release um, old energies and that type of thing. But in some cases, I find that, um, especially on like a community or a city type level, that it's almost like the, the people in the area are continuing to reinforce what's always been there or you know the older denser energies and so the land kind of goes right back <laughs> to that um it, do you have a sense for kind of like where in that cycle you can you know insert this uh healing energy to really affect the people um as much as as the land to um really feel that shift yeah, sure. The uh, transcendental transcendental meditation uh, uh, folks they they do that in cities. They they have group meditations, that, that, and the, uh, the murder rate goes down when they're meditating. But as soon as they they leave, it goes back up again. Uh, there, but there's this other group uh, called Fountain International, uh, where where they they have the fountain practice uh, and meditating on the. Uh, fountain that's in the in the common of most cities and towns. They have like a central fountain that's doing this toroidal loop kind of thing happening. So th th this uh, this was started in uh, Brighton, England. Uh, there there was a period of time in Brighton where the mods and the rockers were 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 fi fighting all the time. Uh, you know, uh, the, the mods drove around on mopeds and the rockers had, had Harleys and they were always, you know, fighting each other. And there was a lot of drug use and, you know, junkies and prostitution and, you know, all the 
all the the sins were there in Brighton. So people were getting sick of it, and and uh, this uh, Colin Colin Malloy, his name was, uh, had this idea to to meditate on the central fountain of Brighton. So they got a group of people that were you know meditators, and they all focused on and put this intention that that there'd be peace and things would come back to you know balance and everything in the city and sure enough it did so they created this fountain practice and fountain international to uh uh promulgate this uh this practice and uh and just you know they're still operational they're on the net and uh growing from this uh my friend mary hardy uh who was already familiar with uh, vortexes and uh, earth energy vortexes as a dowser and uh, the pyramid builder and everything. And, and the nature of these uh, vortexes uh, having these clockwise and counterclockwise patterns developed uh, what she calls the Holy Grail vortex prayer, which is uh, based on <clears throat> the uh, great invocation uh, this, this prayer that was uh, developed by uh, Alice Bailey and, and, a, and a Buddhist monk uh, as a UN prayer of peace. And uh, it, uh, you know, there, there's four phrases from the point of light, from the point of love, uh, from the center of the will, uh, uh, you know, from the center of, of uh, humanity. So, so the first phrase, first two phrases are counterclockwise. <clears throat> which is how the vortexes pattern work. And then the other phrases are how you visualize a, a, a clockwise vortex spinning around those to have a perfectly balanced thing happening. So she would, uh, you know, uh, like, like a destructive a tornado is heading towards their house, you know, and uh, her and her crew would get out and do this holy grail vortex and, you know, the pyramid, which are the, uh, you know, using the pyramid as a transmitter, the, uh, the tornado vortex would just stop and go away, just lift up into the clouds and disappear. And, uh, you know, so, you're, but it's also, it's a good tool for doing the same thing within your city. You can use the, the fountain in your city because water you know, using water is a very good medium for transmitting prayer and consciousness because we're all water and the biosphere is all water. So, you know, when you have a central fountain, it's a central focus for the for the undines, the, the, the water uh, uh, elementals to uh, transmit whatever your intention you're putting into that 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 fountain, which is full of uh a negative ions that that enliven the spirit and enliven the the, the 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 elementals. So you use this prayer, you use these vortex patterns, or you use the the fountain international, the fountain practice that they have, of just you know, visualizing this kind of cascading waterfalls and, and this you know beautiful, peaceful kind of, and it and it like just evens out everything, a lot like uh, you know, turns it into a pond yeah i love that and i i have received similar messages about how um the water is really carrying a lot of the energy that's in the earth as well and kind of the 
the two, um, you know, the earth energy lines and the water are kind of sharing the same message. So yeah, definitely work. That makes perfect sense to work with the water to shift the, the energy in the land as well. Can, can you tell me a little bit, just shifting gears slightly, but, but I know you have um, a variety of things in your book about um, obelisks being planted in the land. Is your sense for that being, you know, somewhat, I guess you could say uh, megalithic monolithic type, you know, focusing of, of energy or what's the um, significance of people who, who've built those? Well, in, again, you know, this, this is pyramid technology and uh, the pyramid is an upshoot and an obelisk is a downshoot. So uh, you, 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 and it creates a circulation. So uh, the Great Pyramid, uh, while itself is a geometry of water, it's, it's a solid form of water, if you will, the, the sides of the pyramid are 51-51 angle, but the combined angle up at the point is is 103.5. Uh, so that's, you know, 103, you know, so that's, that's like a, an ideal, that was the Egyptian ideal bonding of water. Uh, in in a more uh, contemporary sense, for, uh, 104.5 is the ideal bonding angle of water, but very close in that way. So the Great Pyramid is, uh, again, attenuated to, uh, uh, put a certain signal signal into the biosphere uh, via by by, by the, these bonding this bonding nature of water, and uh, the obelisks were placed uh, in the front of like Karnak and such in order for for Karnak to be part, brought into the pyramid complex of the temple complex of of, of, of the Great Pyramid. Similarly, what the uh, the, the, the Masonic uh, Egyptian revival did by placing these obelisks everywhere in the center of their city, they were referencing the Great Pyramid and extending that, you know, uh, that, that, that energy uh, that is, that has become the uh, kind of the mem of, of the pyramid, which is top-down economics, uh, top-down uh, a hierarchy of royalty, of business, of you know, it's like a worldview that was propagated based on on the pyramid. So uh, that that kind of like uh, the, the priest class that took over the pyramid, uh, you know, uh, the 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 church that decided to uh, take out spirit out of out of the components of man that. Yeah, to you know, uh, had to go through the church. That's pyramidal. So, so all these obelisks reinforce that, that worldview of, uh, of 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 pyramidal consciousness. And uh, my thing is to, to make it a, you know, a broadcast frequency, which is out of water. Rather than of, of of dominance and control, uh, so that's what, what all these obelisks are all about. Is is just grounding it, and 
and some of the biggest obelisks in the country are along the uh, alignment that comes off the, the, you know, if you take the, the northeast edge form uh, of the Great Pyramid and follow that over the pond, it comes right down the St. Lawrence Seaway and along, uh, you know, Buffalo and, you know, uh, Cleveland and uh, through the uh, uh, New Madrid seismic zone. And uh, yeah, down through uh, uh, Austin, Texas. But so that's, uh, you know, and that's, that's how, you know, that, that's the Mason technology. And I, I think that's how they used it. And, and it was very popular during the, like I say, the Egyptian revival. And the, over at Joseph Smith's birthplace, there's an obelisk there. Yeah, I noticed that in your book, and I, I didn't realize that, that that was there. And so it seems very purposeful that that was the uh, the shape that was selected. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my take on, on that. Uh, it's interesting that it's all, there's so many obelisks in graveyards. It's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, Chinese feng shui practice or lo mei, where where they uh, they they place a, a pagoda on the most powerful sacred, you know, the most the place with the greatest chi, because the ancestors transmit good things to the family. So uh, I, I guess it's along those same lines where. Uh, the 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 power of the ancestor is being transmitted to the descendants via, uh, you know that that the, the the power of the that the ancestors are receiving from the Great Pyramid, and and the and the kingship of the Great Pyramid uh, are being transmitted to the uh, uh, descendants. I hadn't heard that before, but but that makes sense. That was ancestor work. Yeah. And I wonder about ancestor worship. Yeah. I wonder about, as you're saying, the, the pyramids being kind of so out of alignment and out of frequency, you know, are, are all of these kind of obelisks tied into that energy and thereby transmitting it? Or do you think they're more just uh, patterned after, as you're saying, the technology that was at the pyramids? I think I very much so. I think they're transmitting uh, I think that they're transmitting that worldview, and uh, and and it's and it's like corrupted, just uh, the collective consciousness of the pyramid as as this worldview has been corrupted from its original purpose, and, and that's what's polluting the planet. That's what's that's that that worldview is is what's creating all the death and uh, genocide and. Uh, subjugation and uh, uh you know it, it was like the, the the native people here in the first nations uh were the greatest threat that that the europeans could ever come across because they were sovereign each man had its own had its own relationship with creator and and, and uh you know that was very dangerous a very dangerous worldview for for the controllers because they they want you to go through their bank, you know, of 
their their bank of consciousness. Yeah, in every way, and it, it's interesting. One of the the uh, theories that I've come across in my uh, Mormon research was the, the the question about whether or not Joseph Smith was was using his extensive uh, plant medicine knowledge in the very early days to perhaps. Uh, dose the sacramental wine with uh, some type of psychedelic plant that was inducing these group visions that were that were happening in the early days of the church. And what's interesting is that, you know, you see it kind of fade out, um, certainly in the later days, but but after his death, but as with a lot of these types of um, ceremonies that in many cultures that were maybe initially open to all people, and then they kind of get restricted down to the priestly class or uh, the nobility is, is you realize at some point the two things can't happen together, right? If you're, if you have your own connection to God and you can, and you are sovereign and you don't need the church, then what, what do you need the prophet for, right? <laughs> like if everyone can get their information uh, directly, then now you don't need the church and, um, and you certainly, certainly don't need a prophet. So it's kind of an interesting um, process that maybe perhaps from the beginning, whether misguided or not, you know, he had some uh, sense of wanting people to have that direct connection. And then maybe as, uh, you know, power or corruption perhaps came in over the years, he realized that that that, that didn't do him any favors. Yeah, that, that, exactly. That's, that's how it all works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're not if you're not with that program, you know, you, you, you get, you know, you're that nail that gets pounded down hard. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Well, I don't want to keep you, you know, too much longer, but I think, um, you know, I do, I do want to ask one question that people ask me all the time. It's always the reason that I say, go look at Peter's website. Cause he's done so much of this work already. Right. You'll, you'll likely find something, some, you know, bit of information you're looking for, but, um, you know, I, I tend to be shown grid lines on maps, um, just, you know, energetically, intuitively, spirit will just kind of point out where they are, um, which isn't very helpful when people ask me, how, how can I find a grid line in, in my neighborhood or my community? Um, and, you know, so I just wanted to kind of put that to you as far as, uh, you know, do they need to learn how to douse? Is there, you know, is there a particular way that um, someone can can find uh, ley lines or grid lines in in their community? Uh, a wise man once told me that if, if you were to douse out all the energy lines that are, you know, in any given area, the entire map would be covered with graphite you know just <laughs> that's my sense too <laughs> the energy lines run everywhere and like i said yeah yeah and and what you uh look like uh like a group of dowsers will go to a sacred site to have a dowsing out you know and uh one dowser is kind of tuned into hartman curry another one's tuned into underground water lines another One's uh, tuned into energy lays. Another one's uh, tuned into like court cultural quarters. You know, so they all, you know, we all have our own kind of uh, uh, gift, if you will. Uh, but you, you can, you know, like, uh, like, if you want to, like, 
uh, find ley lines that, that uh, Rory Duff finds. You you hold his consciousness in your mind. You hold you know you think uh, you know Rory Duff ley lines, and you and you say I want to I want to find a Rory Duff ley line, and, you know, or you know like you know, just like that, and just ha have this intention in mind, or if you uh, can go to a ley line and and douse it. You you you'll know how how it reacts. But generally, a ley line has uh, is is found with uh, dowsing rods, and and they're they're bidirectional. So you, know, you just kind of take out your rod and ask, bring me to a ley line. And uh, when 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 your rods turn outward or inward, depending upon how you know it works with you. Uh, uh, you know, you're on that line. Usually, your toe is right on that line. That's that's how I I do it. I leave with my toe, and uh, and then I ask for the direction of the lay, and it gives me you know turns one way, and and then as I move across the lay to the next uh, you know parallel line, it goes the other way, and you can find uh, lays have different scales too. Uh, you know, and, and it's, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it's quite complicated in that way. Uh, how I, I wanted to not have, uh, dowsing involved in my ley line research as a way in which, uh, uh, you know, like Joseph Smith, uh, I don't believe in that psychic stuff, you know, I had to come up with, okay, I found these golden tablets. Uh, what I do is, is is I take cultural cues. I just you know, a really good example is uh, the Hopi do a, a snake dance every two years to bring water from the San Francisco peaks. So and they create this Sky River to you know the monsoons of the desert every summer. So they they they, they draw that draw that energy from the peaks over to the second mesa uh, by the power of that dance the, the, the snakes being symbolic of water flow the, the, the ripples of water so I said okay you know that's a straight line and the snake is a form of a ley line I said they must be working a ley line here so I, I took those two points and extended it and uh, going across the country, and it you know goes through Ship Rock and uh, Crestone, Colorado. You know, you know, big gold deposit and you know spiritual cities. Uh, and uh, it it extends from uh, Mount Cuchama down at the or Mount Tequete at, at Tequete, Mexico, California border, uh, a sacred site for the Kumeyaay, a sacred mountain of the Kumeyaay. And it goes you know, through San Francisco peaks, through Sedona, and all. That business and you know all the way up to Nova Scotia, the northern tip of Cape Breton Island, which is uh, there's this cave up there called uh, Goosenop's Cave and Goosenop Mountain, and you know and more you know kind of culture bringers, and so they're all all along this line. There's there's uh, uh, ancient sites of uh, native lore, like uh, like Kachina kind of uh, crater being stuff. You know, the kachinas of, of, of San Francisco Peaks brought water. The water kachinas brought water to Hopi land. So this is, I call it the kachina lay. 
because of that. And so this is how I know I, I work. And I wasn't the first to notice that, that that series of cities along the East Coast that was actually called Satan's Axis back in the colonial period uh, because everything west of there was howling wilderness and, uh, you know, east of there was civilization. So uh, now that's been a known known commodity since the colonial period. And, you know, Washington, like I said, cited a city along it. And uh, so, you know, that's what I do is I look for cultural and natural features that all, all are in alignment. And uh, you can uh, kind of look, look for that, uh, you know, on really any map. You, know, you can kind of scan oh, yeah, it. It's a line there. And then you see that there's other, other natural features that support it. Often it's, uh, you know, in the case of the, I call it the Acadian Way there. Because it goes from New Orleans to to uh, uh, Nova Scotia, where the Acadians came from, and they went down to uh, the Cajun culture of uh, so that uh, that's all along all these estuaries and bays and such all the way up to good good ports are all along there. Uh, there there's uh, the Seques of South America, all you know, the alignment of peaks. I look at alignment of mountains. You know, that's not like the uh, uh, the string of volcanoes there in Washington and Oregon are all in a straight line. And that's that's another you know that's a lay line right there. So that that's how I look at it. Uh, uh, Rory Duff he uh, he douses everything. Uh, there's another guy. Uh, Coons, the, the, the Coons map, C-O-O-N apostrophe S. Uh, you know, that, that, that's another, uh, looking at a series of, of, of uh, like temple spaces across the world. Uh, the Allison line, that's another one that comes off of uh, the Great Pyramid. That's, you know, so uh, I, I look at, uh, I look at the alignments that come off of the Great Pyramid. Those are those are lay lines. Uh, the Allison line is actually a line that comes off of the uh, uh, right through the center of the Great Pyramids, you know, east-west axis, and that that you know touches on all, all these sacred sites all around the world. Yeah, you can't help but notice and, uh, it once you, you know, start there's, looking. Uh, there's all kinds of. You're right. It's it's there. It's everywhere. You know, it's I, I look at the cultural corridors because that's my that's my bliss is to you know see that revealed on a map and have it have it uh, have a proof in 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 geology and in geography, uh, but but there's there's ley lines out there everywhere in your backyard uh, and uh, you know in Ireland. Uh, it was you would know uh, if you were on a ley line because the fairies would bother you all the time. If you built your house on a ley line, it was, it was a problem for you. And uh, if you did, you, you you were to build a door on either either end of the house so that the fairies could go through and not be stuck and cause all kinds of mischief in your house. And, you know, there's a, in in Iceland, there's 
uh, you know, it's 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 honored. You know, sacred sites are honored, where it's so much so that they'll, they'll divert a road around a sacred site. So. Yeah, I'm going to remember and, that. Uh, Was it uh, England? <laughs> yeah. Uh, only because it, it, as, as I've done enough. Lay, the grand lay. I'm sorry. Go the ahead. The grand lay of uh, yeah, the grand lay of uh, of England. Uh, it follows the May Day sunrise across southern England, and, but that's from the the northwest to southeast, and goes out through Lands End. If you follow that out, it goes right to the Azores, which is where uh, Atlantis used to be. So that that that's a ley line that used to feed. It was a it was an energy line that actually fed Atlantis. Uh, but the fairies, yes, the fairies, uh, the elementals are all very much part of of uh, of ley lines, and and the elementals really want to work with us. Uh, they, they uh, you know, they they need our third dimensional interface in order for them to do their 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 fifth dimensional uh, help and work, and they're there as helpers. And guides, and you know, uh, so they and they, they want to help. You know, they they really jump too. You know, when you when you ask them, uh, did some work in Southern California to make a rain once with a very large scale medicine wheel uh, that a Shoshone brother facilitated, and uh, you know, it was kind of joked about, oh yeah, we have a Shoshone uh, rainmaker coming to town and that was in, you know, the, the LA newspaper and nobody believed him and, and it, it rained for six weeks straight because oh, wow. the, you know, in my estimation it, 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 was the, it was the elementals just that, you know, the, the water spirits were just so, you know, wow, someone wants us, you know, someone's calling us, you know, and, you know, and and, and we'll respond, you know, they, they, these geometries are the geometry of water, and the medicine wheels are the geometry of water. So, you know, working with a medicine wheel, it draws water in. So, and then something of scale, it's like, it's like a big megaphone, you know, to, to, the, to the elementals to please come and bless our lands with water. I feel that we could, we could uh, restore the uh, Colorado River. Uh, and, and all the all the emptying reservoirs and and all uh, all, all the uh, you know drying up Mississippi and all this stuff that's going on and around here and around the world just by by honoring the water more and calling in the elementals more and you know using these earth rings and and and, and ley lines uh, to to uh, to call call upon uh, this this collaboration that's uh, there for us. Uh, in California, uh, on their Earth Ring, I guess you, you you sat in on that Zoom call I did with California, and uh, you know we have this event called Burning Man there, and they honor the fire spirit, and uh, you know in the middle of fire season. So what happens? Uh, you know we get fires and droughts and everything else in California and all throughout the West. So. It's it's like there's the the salamanders the the fire spirits are out of balance because of that 
that highly charged, emotional, focused temple space of 80,000 people that, that gather in the same place year after year after year after year after year, uh, celebrating the burning of this uh, pagan effigy, which was a sacrifice form that was employed by uh, pagan England to get rid of their near wells. Uh, and and I, I think it's putting a very negative vibration in the in the earth energies of California, which, you know, that's where all our water comes through from west to east. All that, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, even where we're at here in, in northwest Montana, I mean, we're because of kind of how the wind moves, all of that fire, all that smoke comes right in and, and just sits in our valley. So even when we're not having a bad fire season, we will spend the entire summer choked out by smoke. And it is a lot of it coming right from that area. And so, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And it, it actually makes perfect sense, especially because with that many people, uh, it's almost, you know, uh, to harness the energy of that many people, and maybe not all of them are as aware of the intention or have different sets of intentions that they're feeding into that. I mean, that's, that's a massive scale um, to as you're saying, worship fire without having some kind of balance um, for the water. We have to start a water festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Water woman, water woman festival. Yes. Water, water, water beings. Yes. Yeah. yeah, balance the masculine and feminine there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I don't, I don't want to keep you too late. Um, I, I really appreciate you jumping in and doing this. Appreciate it. Having having me on any opportunity to get this information out is I jump at it. So oh, wonderful! I love it, and we are definitely aligned in in uh, the type of of work that we're doing, although in you know slightly different different angles. And so, um, yeah, and I get the question a lot, kind of what what can we do? <laughs> so um, I do appreciate you, you know, sharing about that, and it it sparks some some ideas on my end as well. So thank you. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.